Welcome into another episode of ESPN's NBL podcast. My name's Kane Pittman, and alongside me, as he is every Tuesday, well, actually, back on the Tuesday time slot, uh, Victoria gives themselves a day off uh, last week for a horse race, but it's Olga Norwich. Uh, you've had a busy morning. We'll get to that in just a second, but uh, it's a pleasure to be back with you. Thank you. I. It was annoying. Last night, I spent so much of my time uh, ready to dissect your mm. list of top 15 NBL players. And then this morning, I didn't get time to like follow up on that because we had news. Unfortunately, one of the players on my list, and it was a player that was, you know, I, I tossed around in my head a number of times, where am I going to put this player? Where do I think he's reasonable? Is he going to be in the league for a long time? Well, a few hours later after publish, unfortunately not. So 8 o'clock this morning around there, you put the tweet out. Uh, you broke the story at ESPN that Craig Randall no longer is going to be with the Adelaide 36ers. The 36ers followed that up pretty quickly and they simply said the Adelaide 36ers and Craig Randall have agreed to part ways by mutual consent effective from today. So I'll throw to you. Uh, when you text me just prior to this tweet, I don't think it was uh, exactly the most shocking news I've received in my lifetime, but uh, where did you hear this from and how did this play out? So this is its the sort of news that to an, NB, an NBL fan, just a regular fan, this is quite shocking. Mm. For those of us who cover the league and who've had conversations with people throughout the season, it's, it almost seemed like an inevitability. Um, there was just no cohesion between Randall and his team or his head coach uh, on the court, there were the issues that we all saw. We point to the erratic nature of the way that they play offense, the fact that they are the worst defensive league in the te- team in the league. Um, but it was off the court where uh, the Sixers had enough. Um, Craig Randall was constantly going at his teammates, his head coach. There were blow-ups. There was, in particular, a blow-up after he was told he would be benched for the game against Perth. Um and that all added up to the point where it was just untenable moving forward. Um, there was no way this was going to be a thing. Like he was not going to be sustainable on this team. Um, and again, it just wasn't a complete surprise. I'm, I'm, so I thought it would maybe happen a little bit later. I thought they might give it some time, let it play out, because he's clearly super talented. But it's, it's, it was something that was going to happen sooner than later. 20.3 points per game, 47% from the floor, 40% from three, 100% from the free throw line. I mean, there's no question that he is an elite scorer and would have been an elite scorer in this league, potentially led the league in scoring towards the back end of the season. But certainly, we were both in Darwin. It happened immediately that we started to hear things that there was arguments in the locker room. And you sit back and you say, okay, well, it's cool to have an argument in the locker room. That's not a big deal. But then you just kept on hearing about it and hearing about it. And then there was the Twitter stuff where he was going back at other fans and we saw the body language stuff. And I always say that it's not my job as someone that hasn't been in a locker room before to be body language police. So you, you just take it all on board. But when you piece all these things together, again, there's six games or he's played six games, but the, the 36ers are only just a quarter of the way through the season. And this has been nonstop. It was a long, long, long way for this team that wasn't winning. And that doesn't help either. Even though they've had a difficult schedule, a late start to the season, there are reasons. It felt like if they wanted to pursue with this, it was going to be a long, long season for the 36ers. And winning helps. We saw they they beat the Phoenix Suns. Everyone was really happy. Uh, They won the Blitz. Again, everyone was super happy. Um, But they... They had to have known going into this season what they were gonna what they were getting in Craig Randall. 
um, the the context behind his his early his very short career thus far is important to understand. Um, when the height of COVID was happening in the NBA and there were 110 hardship exceptions given out, he was playing this level of basketball in the G League and he didn't get a look. He didn't get any of those contracts. And so it is a it is widely known around NBA circles and in the international basketball sphere um, that he is a guy who you have to if you sign him then you have him you have to deal with the good and the bad um, and so Adelaide knew that going in you, you you hope that you can beat the intel which a lot of teams try to do they, they bring in guys who they know have red flags but they try to beat it with their culture with their coach with whatever um, but the arguments that Craig, that I'm told Craig would have with Mitch McCarron, with Rob Franks, with his head coach in particular, it got to a point where enough was enough. Um, and so Nick Marshall is now on that playing roster. They are looking for a new import. Um, but yeah, again, this is pretty unsurprising. It is. So the fever break, and this is the first time we've had a fever break for a while, so we all True. get to take a breath. And the timing makes a little bit of sense to do this. So you mentioned Nick Marshall. You've also reported that Adelaide ultimately we'll look for an import replacement so we'll see what happens there but overall this is still an extremely talented team it's going to give other guys opportunity to get more touches and i'm specifically talking about robert franks robert franks i've consistently been unbelievably high on i think he's the most and he was the most and still is the most nba ready player on this team uh, the game and it was only against Illawarra so won't go overboard but he had the 25 points he was 11 for 15 from the floor if you just look at his efficiency overall he's almost been unstoppable in the NBL last year with Brisbane and you mentioned this team defensively yeah they've got humongous problems I don't know is it an easy uh, replacement for now to put Sunday Death straight into the lineup you have someone a little bit more defensively minded McCarron gets the ball through his hands a little bit more because everyone wants to point to the defense but offensively, and it was only a small sample size, but they were no good offensively either, even yeah. though Randall was unbelievable. So people point to the points per game while they're third in the league for points per game. Okay, well, we, it's 2022. We don't need to be referencing points per game. They were seventh in offensive rating the last time I checked. And the easiest way... And so offensive rating is based on points per 100 possessions, which is a more accurate description of what your offense is doing over a level playing field with the rest of the league. So the breakers at the second best offense in the league but they play at the slowest pace in the league but they're scoring at a more efficient rate so Adelaide even though they were putting points on the board the offense wasn't efficient at all no and they also had a bottom three assist percentage and this is something that when CJ Bruton came through Melbourne uh we we asked him about this and there was he he knew and like there was an acknowledgement that they play this sort of high risk high reward style of basketball it's not conducive to how you want to play if you have Mitch McCarron on your team, if you have Daniel Johnson on your team, and if you want to get get a guy like Rob Franks involved, because he's someone who he doesn't the ball doesn't get in his hands unless you give it to him, right? Whereas with Craig Randall on this team, it was a lot of ISO ball, a lot of Jack and tough tough shots up, um, and so it, there is a sense that you throw Sunday Detch in there, and everything sort of it, it turns into a really functional basketball mm. team, and so that's fine. Um, the defensive issues will still exist. I don't think Sunday fixes them on his own. Um, I think there is still a big hole in the middle with Daniel Johnson as far as how effective he is on that on the floor. Um, and then 
who do they bring in, right? Do you, they're paying Mitch McCarron a lot of money. You surely have to commit to him as your point guard. Mm. Bring in an actual spark plug, someone who's comfortable coming off the bench as opposed to someone who you ostensibly brought in to be your starting guard and then decided he fits more of that spark, spark plug mentality. Um, I feel like they have to bring in someone who is at the very least mature and can accept that role from the get-go. Well, again, hopefully someone they can defend as well. So I was looking through the numbers, and this is on Real GM. So they go back 11 years. So nine of the last 11 champions had a top two defense, and then the other two had a top four defense. So that's a large enough sample size to tell you that if you're not in the top three or four teams defensively, you're not going to win the title in the NBL. So they will need to tidy that up. I remember talking, when we first heard about whether there was going to be some chemistry stuff with Adelaide, I remember asking CJ, this was the whole everyone was excited about the talent on the team and I was just curious how it was all going to fit and I remember talking to CJ and he said look there's going to be players on this team that some nights you'll be on the front page of the paper but you can't be every single night and now I just wonder whether they can they can get on the same page as a team extremely talented it's still so early in the season because they've played a couple fewer games than most of the other teams in the league so there's still plenty of time to turn this around it's not going to be easy uh, but they have time. I think they're deep too. Yeah, that's uh, they're that's, that's what's really annoying about them. That the, the top end talent is really impressive, and they're super deep. And there are guys on that team who would play on other teams. Kyron Galloway would play on another team. I think Nick Marshall would get minutes on another team. Mm. And so I think there there is a way for them to incorporate that. Um, and I think the start of that is to just is to lean into a team style of basketball that we know works around the league. We know is sustainable around the league. Um, I hope CJ has realized that and has realized we've gotten rid of Craig, who is the guy who he's almost like the stopgap. Like we, as we have him, we have to use him in this way. Um, he is now gone. It would be nice for them to see them lean into a more team-oriented style of basketball. I hope it works out for him though, because I only got to see him live once. There's a game where at went to overtime last week against the Phoenix and he was must watch it was entertaining basketball he could really do it all offensively so I hope it works out for him what about the throwdown you were there on the weekend and huge loss for the Phoenix so we can get to Melbourne in a little bit but is Ryan Brockoff the most important player to the Phoenix having a successful season and his health more specifically probably um, I mean we saw defensively they were in shambles right and he's really solid on that end um, and the way he rebounds is super important on that end too um, and so that that we know the other end like they threw Ruben Tarangi in he just doesn't have the same presence as Ryan Brockhoff obviously the gravity is so important especially if you want someone like Alan Williams and, and Mitch Creek to p- perform consistently um, and Alan Williams got his points right so did Mitch Creek um, but there's there was no third guy and it, it seemed like Gary Brown and Trey Kill found it tough to get to their spots because guys can just can load up on them. There's no there's no wing shooter and or no corner shooter that they have to go and uh, go and um, pay attention to. And so he's extremely important. It's a concern at this point because he was out with that hamstring issue. Um, he's he tweaked it in warmups, which I, I don't know how a hamstring. If if someone rolls an ankle, I get it. That's that's circumstantial. Right, a hamstring tweak is, is a concern going forward, um, and I don't want to say it's your fault that this happened, mm. but it was like a week earlier <laughs> when you, I think you you questioned, I think you, what did you do? You you praised Simon Mitchell for finally having a healthy team. Well, I just merely mentioned that 
Ryan Brockhoff was looking as healthy as he has since he came back to Australia and Simon Dang. immediately gave me a look he knocked on the table <laughs> and then said that he didn't want to talk about it and I was in New Zealand over the weekend we can get to that a little bit later but you sent me the tweet and I was watching the end of a thrilling game between New Zealand and Sydney a surprisingly thrilling game we can get to that uh, but and I felt a little bit sick <laughs> you, not, you did this you commentators cursed them yeah it's terrible and we should say he's had soft tissue stuff in the preseason, so this is a reoccurrence now with Brockoff. I asked the Phoenix this morning, and they said that he hasn't, they haven't got the results back from the scans. I'm not sure. We'll see. They've got a little bit of time, but given the fact that it's not the first one, uh, that's that's not great. That's why it's a concern. It's because it, this is, seems to be a consistent thing, and because they are paying him a lot of money, and they have spent a lot of money, and I don't know if they can go and just go get a replacement or anything like that. You can't just replace Brockoff, um, especially with the skill set, and especially how well he'd been playing leading up to that point. He had finally found his groove. It seemed like he was playing with a different level of confidence. Um, so it is very annoying to to have seen him go down like that, especially ahead of this matchup, um, which even without him, I thought should have been closer. Um, but United is a, such an interesting beast. Their, their ceiling is so high. Their floor is so low. Um, and it's just the nature of the players that they have that makes it that way. Um, if you can get a good game, like you get 30 points from Chris Golding. If you can get a really solid game from XRM, Rajon Tucker was effective. Isaac Humphries had 20 points. If, you, if, you, if everyone's clicking, they're so talented. It's just whether they can kind of be consistent as and play that team style that they were really searching for when Shea Ely was out came back it looks like things are trending in the right direction but they lost to Cairns by 20 some odd points the, the the game before so they're such an interesting team to analyze because they're clearly so talented but they just haven't got any continuity together yet well I keep thinking at some point there's going to be some separation in this league because there always is uh, but certainly to this point to the fever break there's not it's difficult to know what's going to happen on a night-to-night basis I do wonder though and I I as I said, I didn't get to watch this game live, but I went back last night and tried to check out the majority of it. And for me, Shaley comes back, see what happens with Jordan Caroline. At some point, they've already said there's going to be a replacement, so that's going to happen. He's out with a hamstring right now. But Dave Aquera actually does change the outlook of this team. Now, he's still so young that he's going to have games where he'll make mistakes. That's just... He's, he's really young in this league but he's had a couple of eye-opening performances he can space the floor a little bit which his team really needs he is a rim protector and even I just thought some of his passing the other night not necessarily leading to assists but just making the right decisions uh, he's a smart player and having another rotation guy at a position where they need actually is meaningful yeah they like playing alongside him too he's really solid defensively um and another aspect is, on top of everything you said, is that he can run the floor. Mm. And with a team that has Shea Ely, who wants to push it, uh, Rajon Tucker, who wants to push it, um, we've, we've seen Isaac Humphreys sprint rim to rim. If, if you can get guys getting up the floor, you create easy offense for a team that has had trouble scoring in the half court uh, so far this season. And so, yeah, the, the, the introduction of Ely is helpful, right? His penetration, his creation in the half court, it's super helpful. Chris Golding starting to feel himself is, is great, right? They're going to get an, a replacement for Jordan Caroline. He may not be the only import who they replace. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, 
but Aquera changes everything. So you're not completely relying on Barlow, who again retired like two months ago. And so you're not completely relying on that. You have this this spark plug, who is not just sort of the way we describe Craig Randall as this erratic guy who can come in and produce. No, he's really solid on both ends of the floor, um, and he he create he gives a lot of balance to this team. You know, we spoke about in the half court there was no spacing. Well, if he keeps shooting the way he is, and with the confidence he's shooting with. There's a ton of balance out there. Dean Vickerman would have slept well on Sunday night, say that. But I haven't slept well for about five nights because... Okay, Kane. I... Uh, it's, it's been very difficult. <laughs> I mean, it's difficult. all about you. It's it. been very difficult with this top 15. <laughs> and I can't wait to do this. I've changed this. So I did my original list. It was a plane activity. So late last week, I'm like, I've got plenty of time here to, to change my mind. I came up with my initial draft. I think I had about six different versions of this. And, and so I go through, and I've done it the last couple of seasons, so there's basically four versions pre-season, a couple during the season, then one after it's all said and done. So this was version 2.0, which always changes a lot because you have imports that surprise, you have imports that don't reach the expectations that, you know, obviously me, obviously what I had for them. So things change a lot this second time around. Uh I don't know what's the best way to do this. Do I, do I need to go through the list? Should I go through the list for the people or you would just want to straight up rip me off the top? Go go through go through the list. Go 1 to 15. Yeah. Right. Um, and then and then I'll make you look stupid. Okay. That's what we're here to do. Bryce Cotton, number one. Xavier Cooks. Mitch Creek. Keanu Pinder. Uh, that's a great story, by the way. Yes. Derek Walton, Jr. Robert Franks from Adelaide. Barry Brown, Jr. from the Breakers. Uh, Craig Randall, the second. Name. Yeah. Uh, Craig Randall II comes in at eight. Again, that was one that caused me uh, much deliberate. Oh, there was much deliberation over that one in the Pittman household. DJ Hogue, Derek Pardon at 10, Shannon Scott at 11, CG, Chris Golding at 12, Alan Williams 13, Aaron Baines 14, and uh, Jack McVeigh, another good story, 15 for the Tassie Jack Jumpers. So uh, take it away. So, like, I will preface it with saying i understand that it is a ranking and it is also uh, a power ranking of sorts Mm. and it is also something that shifts with the narratives in the nbl which shifts super quickly right melbourne united suddenly a functional basketball team that's for sure well sure but like (laughs) united right now a functional basketball team right two weeks ago they're in a shambles so that context is important um okay no antonius cleveland on this list Mm problematic and it's problematic uh so my quick response to that one is i didn't think based on what we've seen and by the way i had cleveland at number three in the preseason rankings so i mean i i love antonio's cleveland so and he's i dropped 12 places and i suspect that he'll be on this list when i do it again but as i was sitting there last night i said okay well craig randall say what you want about him the man's putting up 21 points a night on extreme efficiency and given the sixes just hadn't been winning like, how can I put three Adelaide 36ers players in this list? Franks has been better. That was my reasoning. Okay. Uh, oh, I want to say so much. No Justin Simon? Yeah, tough one. Love him as well. Yeah. So, so right, I'm so mad. Um, no XRM. Yeah. Considering the numbers he's putting up this season, the fact that United is one of the, a middling team right now. No XRM. Yeah, I got a few messages about that one, specifically from the Melbourne United, uh, the passionate faithful. Uh, and yeah, he's stiff. I, I think when you talk about uh, what you've seen on the court, 
and then you have, as you pointed to, whether you want to call it power rankings or something like that, I still think CG is the most important player to Melbourne United. And we've been in a number of press conferences where Rattan Mays has had an incredible start to see. He deserves a lot of credit because he's had to shoulder responsibilities that I think were above and beyond what Melbourne United had laid out for him. But ultimately, I think that some of the offensive problems they've had with the slow tempo, those types of things have been contributed by the guys on the floor, including including him. So he's been great. But I could, again, I, I had CG ahead of him. And I couldn't have two Melbourne players in there. I don't think they've played well enough. No, Nathan Sobey. Especially considering how well he's played over his last three or four games. Yeah, slow start for the Bullets. <laughs> slow start for the Bullets and slow start for for Sobe coming back from the injury. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I, I was okay with that. This this cope is amazing. Uh, okay, uh, you had Randall over DJ Hogue. Um, do you know who is? Do you know who has, the, who has the worst defensive efficiency in the NBL? Which player? Well, it's a team stat. Yeah. Okay, but as in like. Imagine being the worst on the worst team. Do you know who that is? Well, the the team has the worst defensive rating. Correct. So, yeah. Do, but do you know which player has? The well, worst? I assume it's Randall. But it's the Randall. Is, but the point is that it's Randall. It's not an individual stat, and the whole team has stunk on defense all year long. I just think DJ Hogue has been extremely effective on off on the offensive end. He's also a really key piece for one of the best defenses in the NBL, second in the league in blocks. I just think DJ Hogue probably deserves to be above Craig Randall I mean now he kind of, he technically is because presumably Craig Randall's off the list it's actually a top 14 well done um, uh, I've just written pardon feels low um, 10 yeah it just feels low considering how he's, that you've he's got, so effective you've got about 23 players in your version of the top 15 but continue it's not my list mm. um, just a, a a question in a vacuum yeah um, just to put you on the spot yep. is Jack McVeigh better than Jarrell Brantley um, <laughs> I think for 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 Tassie, yeah, I think they need. I think because if you look at Tasmania defensively, incredible defensive team. But the thing that sets Jack McVeigh apart for me is his efficiency on a team that, quite frankly, doesn't have a lot of efficient scorers. So I think importance to the Tassie Jack Jumpers. He's become so reliable. He's getting his fifteen and a half points a night uh, on on good efficiency 37% from long range as well I think he is vitally important to the Jack Jumpers if they want to if they want to make the playoffs but in a vacuum is Jarrell Brantley better than Jack McVeigh well Jarrell, Jarrell Brantley's not on your list either well Jarrell Brantley's played in the NBA and is, probably has a better career resume I rest my case yes that's all I got to be honest so uh, so okay so I will say that the guys that caused me the biggest problems were the two that you mentioned the first, not having Simon and not having Cleveland. Yes. Didn't feel good about that. What do you think is the worst? Uh, either slot that I've got someone on this list or just the completely outrageous that I didn't have a player on there? At at his best, Antonius Cleveland is like a top three player in the league. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he's so imposing on both ends. We saw it last season in Illawarra. We've just like, yet to see it to any sort of significant extent this season but not having him on that list to me is absurd yeah he's he's the guy he's the guy who NBA scouts who I've spoken to before the season said if he can shoot it consistently which he hasn't shot it he's shot it better this season but if he can do that he's a guy who should get NBA looks he's got that level of athleticism his ability to defend that sort of thing um him not being on there is wild to me um but again Craig Randall is gone, so welcome aboard, AC. He's in there. Uh, no, I, I think that's 
that's totally fair criticism. Yeah, I didn't feel good about that one. Uh, again, overall, the way Adelaide is playing, I don't think you could have three players on this list. But the one thing I will say, doing this, and of course, fans from different teams across the league will say you are absolutely insane. I even had someone on Twitter angry that Keanu Pinder wasn't in the top three, even though I had him ranked number four. Number four. It, it's, it's you know these are that that's the fun part about this and. I could even pull apart my own list waking up this morning and looking at it. So, uh, anyway, go to ESPN.com.au for the full list. Make sure <laughs> you check that out. And while I'm plugging things, you'd also, you should also watch The Jump, 8.30pm on ESPN Wednesday night because I'm sure I'll get ripped apart on live TV as well. So, that's why we like to do it. It's that's why fun. I watch it. I like that time where you said the uh, New Zealand Breakers were trash and then they kept winning. Okay, that was well, my favourite part okay, of the well, show. Well, that's a lie. And I, and I fronted up to my Kiwi friends. I've actually got this t-shirt on right now. Uh, bought that's a global culture, I, I believe. Uh, what is that? In New Zealand. Look at that. I think it's like a Kiwi on a, uh, like on a little uh, tabletop uh, record thing there. Anyway, it's a good t-shirt. <laughs> it's a t-shirt. I don't know what the currency is over in New Zealand. It was 50 bucks in NZ. Look what? at you trying to ingratiate yourself with New Zealand. Is, that, is it similar? You said, you said the words, you pays the price. Just... Deal with it. I get you got a kiwi on your shirt. Go I walked it. into the breakers facility on the weekend, and I was a little bit nervous in case anyone <laughs> had seen my comments and realized that I was coming over there to uh, to apologize. But uh, the breakers, the one thing I will say. So we started this podcast talking about Craig Randall locker room stuff in Adelaide. This is a breakers team, and I was fortunate enough to spend Saturday afternoon with them in practice, talk to a bunch of the players, go the game on the weekend. This is a breakers team that is on the same page. They seem to genuinely like each other and they seem to genuinely love uh, the head coach. Yeah, that's that's the consistent thing I've heard out of that camp. They love Modi. They mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the way he operates, the way he leads. And I watched his press conference on the way in just to, get, just to re-watch it. Mm. And he comes at things from such a reasonable perspective. Um, I, I appreciated his line that progress isn't linear. Yeah. Right, and that's just like such an important philosophy to have, especially with a team that is rel- has new pieces, has new creators on it. So you've got to change a lot of stuff. Is relatively young. Um, like I appreciate the way they go about things over there, especially because they're a team that people think that they go and get the one next star every year. So they got Ryan Ryan Repair, who has a suspected broken wrist, and hopefully that's not too bad. Um, and then they went and got a bunch of New Zealand ta- talent. So it's like, okay, they have to do the token thing by adding New Zealand talent. But no, it was, it's Kiwi talent that fits. Um, it fits their system. It fits their culture. And they just look to have a really deep team of guys who like each other and who are really excited to play for their coach. They're one of the best defensive teams in the league. The best defensive team in the league at this point. Um, really solid offensive team. Lots of creators. The imports are doing their jobs. Like they, the the way they've put their team together has been really impressive and they were really good defensively on the weekend they got into this game in the fourth quarter it was a crazy game because you never felt that Sydney were going to lose they were up by double digits for almost the entire afternoon but New Zealand was solid throughout and I actually thought offensively they were okay they scored 12 points in the first quarter nearing half time they were something like 26% from the floor it Mm. was brutal the numbers but they were getting pretty good looks and the shots went falling they were blowing layups there was even a couple of, or three occasions where defensively they came up with huge highlight reel blocks and then the deflection just went straight to a Sydney player who either hit a three or was able to to get to the rack and score again. So it was just one of those days for New Zealand. I didn't lose uh, any faith, my building faith in the breakers. I didn't lose any <laughs> of my building faith in the breakers. Uh, you know, offensively, 
that will be the thing and that will be where they'll continue to develop. We saw Tom Abercrombie come back and play his first game. But you talk about getting guys and how do you know that you're building a roster and how do you know that the guys you're bringing in are going to be the culture guys that you want? So I'm writing a story today and it's probably going to go live either today or tomorrow. And it's basically around the idea of who is Modi Mayola? Who is this guy? Why do the guys love him? And what's going on in New Zealand with all these these players that seem to get along? And I asked him, how do you know that you're getting the right inputs? Because when we were in Darwin, speaking to a bunch of teams, uh, rival teams, they were all really high on the breakers' imports. Mm. And it was interesting to me hearing that. Some of these guys I didn't know a lot about, didn't know a lot about Barry Brown, didn't know a lot about Derek Pardon, but the opposition clubs were really high on them. And I asked uh, Modi about this, and, uh, and he said, well, you, you, know some, you don't know somebody until you've coached them. You don't know somebody until you've been together. It's like when you go on a date. You try and figure it out as quick as you can, who they are, what they value, and what makes them tick. Uh, and then uh, he went on to say that after you go on that uh, quick little speed date, you go home, you pray, and hope for the best. <laughs> Is that what he does on dates? Like, hello, good to see you. I'll have the chicken. What do you value, madam? Well, he did. <laughs> I, I think he might have. He was looking at me when he said when you go on a date. So maybe he was ah. making assumptions about me. But hey. But no, and he's right. And they, again, it's the thing that a lot of teams haven't got right. Uh, and the import class across the board this season, I think has been there's been a slight drop-off relative to some previous years. Um, but mm-hmm. what New Zealand has done, they just got guys who fit, who have their roles, they fit in them and they accept them and they excel in them. And like we speak about Derek Pardon a lot as a guy who can come in and just sprint to his screens, um, defend the rim, just do all the little things that he's asked to do and doesn't have to do anything more. Um, same with Barry Brown off the bench. It's it's Guys are doing what they're asked and they're really cool just, just leaning into that system. All right, so we're very, as we said, we've got the fever break. And by the way, we should mention Xavier Cooks who was scheduled to go with the Boomers to play this game against Kazakhstan. He turned the ankle. He looked very sore yeah. after the game. And, uh, you know, Chase said after the game it was two to four weeks, but I think it was... Yeah, probably too early to really tell. They'll probably learn, learn more over the ne- next couple of days. That was a shame for him. Jalen Galloway came into the Boomer squad who was playing some real minutes and impressive mm. minutes with the Kings. And Chase Buford said after the game that he's making it really, really difficult for him not to play him on this super deep Kings team. When you think about where the Kings started last year, I think they were 2-6 and six or 3-6. and six. They're now 7-2. and two. It doesn't feel like they've fully hit top gear either they look sensational but i've got the standings in front of me here all the way down to the bullets in ninth who are three and five couple of wins over illawarra wait and see but uh, this is shaping up to be an insane year because i think the teams that are outside the playing mix perth wildcats adelaide 36ers brisbane bullets a lot of people and by when i say a lot of people me had them in the top six so it's great and you know changes are coming for a lot of those teams uh and it's crazy to think that like Adelaide's only played seven games yeah so they're a quarter way through so there's so much room to grow um it is very the the fact that there is a top six makes this exciting because there is only one team who we've unfortunately effectively ruled out of contention of any sort as far as the postseason goes and that's Illawarra um they're just not they just haven't been built the right way just quickly so one and eight the Hawks with a point differential of minus 111. That's that's raw point total on the season. Yeah. Uh, there's no one even close to that. I mean, it, it's it's been a bit ugly. 
they just like they haven't been completely horrendous defensively, but just offensively they have nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, even with Peyton, with Peyton Seaver coming in, it's just it's not great to watch. Um, so they're a team that they're probably going to be the wooden spooners, and unfortunately, we sort of know that at this point. Um, but the top the teams above them, they all have a chance to get into that top six and to compete for the championship eventually. And outside of Sydney's the one team that I think has the top tier talent and the continuity that makes me really comfortable in saying that they are a legitimate title contender. Every other team, they are a playoff contender and in this league we know anyone can beat anyone. It's absurd that way. Um, And so this is very exciting. It is, and the Wildcats, we didn't get to them a lot. We'll be back here next Tuesday, so uh, there'll be no games, so we'll have plenty of time to still (laughs) talk about uh, the Perth Wildcats. But Brady Manick obviously had a, a breakout shooting performance. I did have to laugh a little bit and this is the way this is the nature of how the game's covered and I understand it but before the game Brady Manick people ready to put him on a plane yep then he shoots 6 for 8 for 3 and everyone's ready well this is what we expected <laughs> well no the Wildcats didn't expect he was going to go 6 for 8 for 3 every single night he saw one go down probably felt good about himself was able to have a breakout hopefully it's a more even performance um, across the board but no he's not going to shoot six for eight every single night and if he doesn't shoot six for eight it doesn't mean that he's a useless import as well i think the wildcats are still trying to figure out how to use him because so far playing alongside tayshaun thomas it's it's a questionable fit particularly defensively then you've yeah. got someone like luke travis playing out of position in my opinion playing the three so the question for perth in terms of their roster balance is not i don't think it's necessarily you know he's brady manic not a good player or is Tayshon yeah. Tom like I, that's not the way I see it it's just roster fit that so far has been a, an interesting challenge I would say for John really Brady Manick was a lot more locked in defensively in that game against Adelaide which I think is a key as far if he wants to remain on this team as yeah. far as longevity on this team um, and the shooting was just helpful because it gave us indicators of how this team can look if that position is producing mm-hmm. and so it can that game can can have provided us a ton of indicators in why in why this could work there are lots of reasons that we've seen why it might not um it, basically you sort of leave it to in the safekeeping of of Danny Mills and and that Perth ownership if they want to get rid of him or not um again we're under the impression that they would prefer not to make a move mm-hmm. they would like to see this work and that those six three-pointers and that performance was a good way of, of of him ingratiating himself with that team and saying, look, it can work here. I hope it does work because I think he's really skilled. At the very least, we know that. He's a talented dude. It's just the fit and, and hopefully he can slowly continue to, to, to kind of like get into that role, get into that mold that they want him to be. And there might not be a more unforgiving position defensively in this league than the four at the moment when you think about guys like Xavier Cooks and Mitch Creek that plays at the four. Keanu Pinder. Exactly. I mean, yeah. you can just keep going down the list. So it's, it is a huge challenge uh, for big guys coming into the league and trying to find their feet and also playing against, you know, in, in, my, in my opinion, in my top 15 rankings, some of the best players in the league. Three of the top five in the, in the entire league. So, so says you. Yeah. Yeah, it's a challenge. <laughs> uh, ESPN.com.au. Uh, I am feeling pretty good. I knew you were going to criticize me today. I've taken it on the chin. I'll go home and I'll review my own work and consider uh, what I can do for version 3.0, which I assume will come out sometime in the new year. I wrote notes on that. Uh, I got a notebook. It's this color. Um, I don't know what color that is. Burgundy? 
a yeah. light burgundy, an, an orange. I don't know what that is. Um, but I wrote notes on it because I wanted to go at you. Um, I want to touch on one more thing real quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, the delay of game rule has disappeared, hasn't it? They've just stopped calling it. Well, it was going to be one of two things. So, as you know, like I wrote about it. I spoke to the league and they said, no, 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 it's fine. They defended it. It's fine. We're gonna. It's just <laughs> sorting itself out. We don't need to make any tweaks. And as you pointed to, uh, I think, in my opinion, common sense prevailed. There was a bit more feel for the game. Yeah. And it, it wasn't noticeable on the weekend, which is... It shouldn't yeah. be. It's not that important that it should be a noticeable element of watching basketball. Yeah. It was a, it was a welcome reversal, I'll say. It was good to see. Um, last thing I'll say, uh, college basketball season tipped off today. Mm. So if you want to know about the Australians and the players and the storylines to look out for, ESPN.com.au. i got a big old story. Tyrese Proctor at Duke. First round buzz. I spoke with Jonathan Gavoni. He said... Duke, Duke coaching staff thinks that he's their best player you got Taron Armstrong at CBU he's, if you like watching Josh Giddy pass the ball watch Taron Armstrong pass the ball too kind of similar style of player and Alex Dukas is probably going to be the next hmm. uh, you know key NBL rookie next season and so watch him at St. Mary's this season alongside a bunch of other Australians there are a bunch of schools that have a bunch of Australians on them hmm. um, I want to say there's, there's close to 100 Australian men's players playing Division 1 basketball this season and that's on top of the tons the tens of tens of women's players playing division one as well go watch college basketball on espn uh dukas with some boomers experience a few months back during the world cup qualifiers this week yeah the boomers will play kazakhstan next week we'll be able to talk about that as well but it's not just the boomers tim suarez is playing for brazil uh alex mcnaught i believe is playing for new zealand in in their world cup qualifiers as well so there's a number of players uh, across the league that'll be taking part in FIBA action across the weekend and then we'll have more to talk about uh, next week as we look ahead to I don't want to say the second half of the season but nearing the second mm. half of the season on what's been a wild uh, NBL season so far and uh, you broke the story today Craig Randall Outski there's a good chance that there'll be more of them too that's right let's wait and see Oggs always a pleasure see Thank you next you. Tuesday thanks Kane.